Yeah, this is when I'm supposed to yell good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome home. So glad you're here. By the way, oh, Children's Church, you, you know, you're already bored. Go, go. You know, the adults are too, but we don't, we, they're stuck as we lock those doors and everything. Um, I just have to tell you how glad I am. Um, Judy Mogul is right back there. Judy. If you don't know Judy, you are cheating yourself. Um, she is a beautiful, wonderful woman of God and uh, has just been walking a really rough road. And uh, you're walking it in our prayers and in our love. And you, it's, it's just so great to have you back here with us. So what a gift. What a gift. Now, before we jump in, a couple of announcements. Go love on Judy after the service, please. Um, today, we have baptisms. So don't, don't scoot after the last song um, because there's nothing you would go off and do that is more of a blessing than what you're going to see. Um, it is so beautiful. Um, next week, going to be a, an epic Sunday. Next Sunday is Marriage Sunday. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the meaning of marriage. Then we're going to have a wedding right here in our midst. And it's also going to be an opportunity for everybody who is married who would like to, to renew their vows. So if you have a good marriage, come and and help it be more blessed and better. If you have a struggling or a bad marriage, come for healing of your relationship. If you have never been married, but you think you might be someday, come. If you ever were married, come. If you ever knew anybody who was married, come. And... (laughs) And bring your friends. Bring your friends. Hey, this is Marriage Sunday. Let's go do this as couples, as families together. Tell the guy that he will get big points with his wife for going to Marriage Sunday. Because he will. Bring your friends. It's, it's going to be wonderful. What, God is going to... Oh, yeah. Okay, so to do that. Um, marriage Sunday. Bethany Belugas have taken the field. Okay? Now, this is a schedule. If you do not have one, um, they are on the table, that little round table. As you go out this door just on your right, take them. We play on Tuesday nights, and you, you need, you know, if you're playing, you need to come and play. If you're not playing, you need to come and watch, particularly Josh's team, Bethany too, um, if, if only to see... Um, Jared Hinton, I I don't think he's here this morning, but this guy can run around the bases at blinding speeds. He could have an inside-the-park home run on a bunt. I kid you not. They don't have rules for this guy. He could hit a pop fly and make it home before it lands. It is insane. And as for my team, if you signed up for my team, and you did not show up. You are one missed game away from becoming a sermon illustration. I just, just, just saying, just saying. We play at 745, right? Is that right? Yeah, 745. Um, 
The other uh, Josie plays at 6.30. It's a night of popsicles and cheering and, and, and just the God's family being together and showing people how, how we love and how he loves through us. So a great time. Make sure you're part of it. Okay. Um, Revelation chapter 12 is where we're going to be. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you want to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, um, look under one of the seats in front of you. If you don't own one, that's yours to keep. Revelation, it's the last book in the Bible. Um, flick till there's a big number 12 there, and that's where we're going to be. This morning, we're looking at really, truly winning in life and what that, what that takes. Um, so we're going to read the chapter. I'll point out a few things along the way, and then we'll focus on winning. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Chapter 12. Try to picture this if you can. Chapter 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Apparently no epidural available in this scene. Okay, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Who are we talking about here? Satan, you're right. That's the great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads, seven diadems. Now, this means great power, right? Great influence. And we're going to see that it's limited, though. Verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. These are the demons, those who followed him in rebellion. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Now, who are we talking about here? Jesus, right. Always, when it's great, always guess Jesus, right. That's Jesus. He's the boy child. Who's the mom? Okay. As a recovering Catholic, I thought Mary too, Right. But while she is the earthly mother of of the man, God, God, man, Jesus, this is referring actually to Israel. Okay. And we know this because of the description of, of, of the dream that Joseph had in Genesis 37, chapter, uh, chapter 37, verse nine. So this is Israel. Okay. And we'll see that. So, um, the one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. This is Jesus' ascension, his resurrection, right? Jesus wins. Do you get that? Jesus, a million, Satan, zero. Sounds like our softball scores, right? <laughs> Jesus always wins. Now, you're going to see movies. You're going to hear thoughts that when God and Satan, when Jesus and Satan face off, it's, it's, it's like this big tension. Who's going to, it's not going to be a battle at all, at all. Let me flash forward, give you some coming attractions of the battle of Armageddon in this book. Satan assembles all the powers of darkness and hell and all the demons together with all the armies of the earth who deny and rebel against Christ. And Jesus shows up and it's over. It's over. First second of the first minute of the first round, it is over. 
you're, you're glad you didn't get it on pay-per-view. It had been a ripoff. It just, you know, you're going to see it and it's going to happen. There is, they are not equal and opposites. They are opposites, but not equal. You get that? Okay. So Jesus wins. Remember that. And so the woman fled into the wilderness, Israel, where she was placed, uh, where there was a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, this is three and a half years. I did the math in my head. Failed algebra, did the math in my head. Go figure, right? This is three and a half years. Some see this as, as half of the great tribulation. Some see this symbolically. It's three and a half years. If you need to remember three and a half years for some of you, here's a good way to do it. The same amount of time as it took you to complete two semesters of college. Okay, three and a half years. Now, verse seven. Come on, we got work to do here. Now, war arose in heaven. This is the state of affairs then and now. War. War arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Now, who's Michael? Michael is the B.A. Um, archangel who is like God's bouncer. Okay, not that God needs a bouncer, as we said, but sometimes he doesn't want to get his hands dirty when he's dealing with the riffraff. Michael. If you want to know more about Michael, check out uh, the book of Daniel in chapters 10, chapter 12, and then Jude verse 9. It'll tell you more about Michael. Michael is fighting the war with against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he, the dragon, Satan, was defeated. If you're an underliner, uh, a highlighter, Satan was defeated right there. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down that, here's some titles of the evil one, that thrown down that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. That is what he has come to do. Take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, place them on ourselves, place them on other things, the whole world he is after, okay, to deceive. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the, here's the title we're going to look at today, the accuser of our brothers. We're going to look at that. Has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So this they're celebrating in heaven. This is good news for heaven because he's kicked out of there. Bad news for earth because he is now here in our backyard, which not only will lower your property value significantly, but he brings the war with him against us here. Okay. And there's hope. We can overcome, we can win, we can conquer because Jesus conquered. We don't keep our eyes on our own strength. We don't keep our eyes on who we are. It's who he is and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. That's, look at verse 11. That is where we're going to focus most of our time today. Verse 11, and they, that's you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, They have conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb 
and the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. They conquered. They won the ultimate war, the ultimate battle, the ultimate contest. They, you, we win in Jesus Christ. Now, on your own time, you may want to go back to Revelation chapter 2 and 3 when Jesus is dictating these um, letters to the seven churches because at the end of each letter, it, it, it has these incredible promises, these incredible rewards for those who conquer. And, and this, you can take a look at it. It's wonderful. And that's us if we, if we are in him. And, and verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea. And that means all that is in them, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. He knows his time is short. This means that he is here. That means that he is attacking. That means that he knows that his days are numbered and he wants to take every good thing that Christ has done and reverses it. And, 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 and you need to know that it's as if he was thrown out of a moving vehicle. He's ticked off. And you have a, you have a target on you. Whether you know you're in a war or not, there is a war over you. There is a war over you. We're going we're gonna to get there. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, the protection of God, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. That is three and a half years. Time is equal to a year. So time, a year, times, two years, half a time, half a year. Some of you, your heads are hurting um, just, just trust me on that one. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, deception, false teaching, right? To sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Now, then the dragon became what? What's that word? Furious with the woman and went off to what? Make war on the rest of her offspring. Do you see yourself there? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to see yourself there. Went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. The battle you are fighting today is not the ultimate battle. It may be part of it. But we look at what we're going through right now. Whatever that is, whatever that struggle is, and that is not the ultimate battle. Struggle. That is not the ultimate war. He is to make war on the rest of her offspring. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are here this morning. You are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means you have a target on your back. And if you do not belong to Jesus Christ, then you are easy pickings. You're already there. You're already a casualty. And that can be reversed this morning. It can be reversed this morning. Because the victory that Christ has can be the victory that you have in him and only in him. 
the strongest, the weakest of us, the faithful, the least faithful, the, the, the one who comes to church every time the doors are open, the one who comes on Christmas, Easter, and this morning. It doesn't matter. If you are in Christ, you have the victory. If you are not, it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. You're toast. And he doesn't want you to be toast. Neither do I. Okay. Then the dragon makes war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God. Don't get legalistic on me on this. The commandment is God is to hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Okay, there is something in this amazing chapter for everyone, everyone, all of us, right? There is conflict, chase, a dragon, a baby, violence, victory, defeat. And guys, guys, you're looking for a God to follow who is tough and rough and all that stuff, right? You like war. You like movies about war. You like video virtual reality games about war. This makes World of Warcraft look like an episode of the Teletubbies. I kid you not, nothing you have ever seen or imagined can compare to this. This is more fierce and more graphic. And you and I are living right now in the middle of this. Right now in the middle of this. And if you ever, ladies, ever wanted when you were growing up to be fought over, you got your wish. Okay? Because the prize, the prize is you and the glory of God, right? The prize is you, not because we're all, we're all that, but because Jesus loves us. And because of that, his enemy hates us. You see, Jesus, as God, from before time began, had and has everything, Everything in all the universe, all of creation belongs to him. He had everything except for one thing. He did not have the willing love of of you. And so he came on a rescue mission to woo you to himself, to make a way where there was no way by his cross to come and get you, to forgive you, to make you his child, to turn you from rebel to redeemed, to make you a child of God, walking in victory, not because of your own goodness, but because of his goodness. So that in the end, though you might lose again, you win the championship. Though you might struggle with disease, you would ultimately be healed. Though we might lose people, though we might lose battles. We win the war. I am not saying that in Christ, everything falls into place and you will not suffer the attacks of the evil one. What I am saying is what you will endure, you will endure by the will and permission of a God who knows you. And he will use that for your blessing and joy and his glory. Because if you go through this thinking, if I am in Christ, everything becomes easy. You deny the war. And when something comes, you're going to say, I guess he wasn't true. I guess he wasn't good. I guess he wasn't powerful. He is. He is. He is. You will win for all 
eternity, even if it looks like you're losing today. Why does God allow us to see this war? Because it's so fierce that if we could see it swirling around us, half of us would not get out of bed in the morning. And those who did choose to get out of bed, if we could see it, we would need to change our pants about every seven minutes. And it is impossible to do anything uh, productive when you're constantly having to change your pants. Ask any six-month-old, they will tell you. They will tell you. But even if we cannot see this spiritual war raging around us, we can see its effects, can we not? We can see its effects. Now, don't go blaming everything on on Satan, right? Now, everything that we wish was not part of earthly existence, every disease, every depression, every heartbreak, every, uh, everything, everything, every addiction, every pain, every suffering, every injustice, every abuse is tied in some way to the war and the fall. However, we exacerbate the situation It's a great time. My kid's only 10. We were not going to have that conversation with him until he was older. And you use that word in church. Thanks. We make it worse. That's what it means. Why? Because we are not only broken. We are not only sinful. We are oftentimes stupid. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, you got to amen stupid, right? You got to. Because some of us, well, that's truer for some of us than others of us, but it's, it's true of all of us, right? Sometimes the first thing you do in the morning is get up and brew yourself a hot steaming mug of stupid, right? And then you go on to your day and you're the drum major leading the parade of stupid. Because we get our eyes off Jesus, we put them on ourselves, we get them off his word and his truth and his glory, and we know how to do this, right? And, and like, explain your life then, right? I don't know if I like this church. That fat guy just called me stupid. (laughs) Relax. 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 I'm speaking of stupid from experience. And there is hope for us, great hope for us. Barbara said emails. This is a real war. They're not sending nasty emails to one another. And if you could see it, you would be paralyzed by it. But you are living in it. And so we need to know how to be a conqueror. We're not going to get through this whole thing. We're not. We're going to have to pick it up when we come back. But I want you to look at verse 10. I want you to look at verse 10 because we see the title of the enemy here. This is one of his titles and it reveals one of his main tactics. Why? Because it works so well. Here he is called the accuser of our brothers. The accuser of our brothers and sisters. That means he accuses those who have already been forgiven. What does this look like in your life? Here's what it looks like. More importantly, here's what it sounds like. 
Here's what the accusations sound like. They sound like tapes that have played in your mind and in your ear and in your heart over and over and over again as he accuses you, if you are in Christ, of things he has already forgiven you for. You are a hopeless partier. You are a porn addict. You are a whore. You are a fill-in-the-blank. You are a, and he will hold your sin up in front of you in an effort to do what? To condemn you and to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto yourself. Now, I want you to look at something here. Show hands. Who has ever heard that tape? Who has ever... accuse you of things that you have already been forgiven of. And what we need to do when those tapes start playing is not agree with them, not agree with them, not affirm them as true, but point back to Jesus, point back to his cross, point back to his shed blood, which washes us clean because God through the blood of Jesus, sees you as his holy, perfect, washed clean child. And Satan knows it. And he can't steal your salvation, but he can steal your joy. He can steal every victory between here and the ultimate victory by getting you to identify with your worst moments when Jesus did not come to hold our sin up in front of us but to hold his mercy, his forgiveness, his provision on the cross as our substitute in our place. When, he, when, when the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him what Jesus has done and that in him you are complete and you can't have any more acceptance and joy from God than you have. You are a child of God, washed in the blood of of Jesus Christ, and he is disqualified as the accuser. Nearly every hand went up. Nearly every hand went up. We have heard the tape. You are, you are, you are, you are. Let me ask you this, and I've said it here before. When you refer to yourself, what do you call yourself? Do you speak in the first person and say, I? Or do you refer to yourself in the second person as you? No, you refer to yourself as I. So if the tape continues to play in your head that accuses you, that says you are, you are, you are, it is not you who is saying it. You are being spoken to by someone else. And that is the accuser of our brothers and sisters. And he has been thrown down from heaven and he is now living in your backyard. He is now living to destroy everything that Christ has done and holds dear. And that's you in him.
If you do not belong to Jesus Christ, the tape still plays, the accusation still plays, but here's what it sounds like. You know who you are and you know what you've done. If there is a God, and I'm not sure there is, but if there is, there is no way he would love somebody like you. There is no way he would love somebody like you. Your past has disqualified you from his blessing, from his acceptance, from his love. And that is a lie. And it is dangerous. And some of you are living under it right now. And Jesus Christ has the power. Only Jesus Christ has the power to break that. This is the war for your soul. And if you lose this, it does not matter what else you win, you lose for all eternity. It's not a pretty picture, is it? Nobody wants to be a loser. If you win this in Christ, It does not matter what you lose. You're a winner. You see the freedom that that provides? I don't have to win all the time. Because he won. And his victory is mine as a gift. His victory is yours as a gift. I don't have to get it right all the time. He got it right. And he credits that rightness, that righteousness to me and to you as a gift. It's the great exchange. He takes, absorbs all the bad that we have ever been, all that we've ever done or said or thought and becomes that on the cross and pays for it. The other side of that exchange is he credits to our account all the good that he has ever done. You are not only forgiven, your bank account spiritually is overflowing. If we knew that, would we not walk in victory? I want to pull up verse 11. We're going to unpack it the next time we're together after marriage weekend. I I planned on doing it today, but I get so excited about this. I just don't want you to... I don't want you to miss out on any of the stuff that God has for you, any of the the glory that he has for you. I want you to see something, that the accuser of our brethren, the the overall picture, okay, we've heard about how he does some things, but the overall motive is to take our eyes off Jesus Christ and put them on ourselves. Put them on ourselves. But they conquered him three ways, by the blood of the Lamb, And we'll look at that by the word of their testimony. And that does not mean what you think it means. I do not think that means what you think it means. I love that movie. Come find out what that means. And that they loved not their lives even unto death. They had the heart of a martyr. Whether an evil government or a person ever demands of them that they deny Christ in order to live or cling to him and die. They have the same heart. All of us. That's the recipe for overcoming. 
And every single one of them, as we'll see, involves taking our eyes off ourselves and onto Jesus Christ. I guarantee you, guarantee you that whatever you walked in here this morning with, and let's be honest, all of us walked in with some, some baggage, some thing that's weighing us down, that's causing us anxiety, right? That we're worried about, that we're anxious over, that we're, that, you know, we're just consumed by. If you will take your eyes off yourself and put them on the glory, the beauty, the strength, the power, the love, the preeminence of Jesus Christ, everything will change. Everything will change. Take your eyes off yourself and put them on Jesus Christ. And everything changes. This happened to me Wednesday of this past week. This thing that Josh was, was praying about had for me, had um, just gotten my focus, gotten my eyes, gotten my mind, gotten, and you just turn it over. What's going to happen? What? What, what, what is this about? How's this going to unfold? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for this church? What does this mean for my family? All the things that, 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 that mean something to me, right? Okay. And, and, and I came in here and I don't know if visibly I was slumped over, but in my heart, I, I kind of was. I mean, because you know that the, the, the thoughts just keep coming. What is this? My eyes were completely on Okay, you say, well, you're the pastor. That's not supposed to happen. Go find somebody holier. Okay. <laughs> no, you can. You can. It's not hard. But if you want to walk together in the truth of God with honest people, this is your place. Amen. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm tired of church being a place where we have to pretend to be holier than we are. We're broken. Our only hope, our only righteousness is Jesus Christ. So, so, so I come in here broken, uh, you know, and, and, and truth be told, that's sinful, right? Have your eyes on yourself and anxiety. And we have a prayer meeting here. And, um, and in that time, we poured out our hearts and I reaffirmed how beautiful and loving and sovereign and, and mighty and merciful my Jesus is. And I brought everything to the cross. And I emptied myself there. But I did not leave empty. Because something happened. Something happens when we take our eyes off ourselves and put them on Jesus Christ. None of my circumstances were different. All of the things that were worrying me stayed the same, but they had lost the power over my soul. They had lost the power over my life. They had lost the power over my heart because of Jesus Christ. Everything changes. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that whatever the struggle is in your life right now, if we will only, take our eyes off ourselves and put our eyes on Christ. We will frustrate the enemy to no end. And we'll learn next time we're together after Marriage Sunday 
what being under the blood is. What holding to the testimony means. And how we're called to love not our lives, even unto death. That is the formula for conquering, overcoming, and winning. Ultimately and eternally. And let me say this. No one, no one has ever ultimately won apart from those. Apart from those in Christ. That's for you. I want it for you. I want it for me. And the only part that wants it within me is because of Christ. He desires that for you. You're in a war. You're in a war. And you were the prize. Because Jesus said you were. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And Christ is offering you the victory. Let's take it. I'm going to go and, 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 and change. And some others are too. Please don't go anywhere. It's going to be a blessing. But if you don't know where you are in that war, you need to. And in Christ is the only place to be. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've let the accuser of the saints get the best of you, this is your time to remind him and remind you of Jesus. If you're against a a trial and your eyes are on yourself and your circumstances and not on the king of glory, Who is your victory? Who is your joy? Who is your freedom? Who is your forgiveness? Who is your hope? Put them there now. And if you have not surrendered to the one who came on a rescue mission for you, so that you might be with him now and forever, do that. We all have a decision to make. To not decide is to decide no. Victory is waiting. Don't leave it on the table. I love you. Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for your word. Thank you that what unfolds in this book unfolds in our lives. Thank you that we have every bit of the hope described. Thank you that though the battle rages, you have already won the victory and you long to do it again and again and again and ultimately in our lives. Lord, help us take our eyes off of ourselves and onto you. And Lord, for those who do not belong to you, they are in the line of fire in the worst way. Lord, that they would come, you would give them the boldness, you would open their mind, their heart, and and their ears to know. And as you have revealed yourself to, to receive you, receive you as Lord, receive you as Savior, receive you as their victory and their salvation today. And we ask in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.